Okay, today's show is not going to have too much structure. We're just going to kind of jump right into it, and, and that's just what it's going to be. We're going to talk about next year. I still have a lot of thoughts, and my brain is going a million miles an hour about what next year's team is going to look like at the major league level, right? Last week, we kind of talked about the 40-man as a whole and Rule 5 players and, and kind of people within the organization. We did talk major league as well, but I want to really focus on the major league level, and not only that, but like the starting lineup and, and the starting rotation and whatnot, and really kind of do like, are you going to be here next year? Are you not going to be here next year? Where are there still holes to fill? I don't know. I, there, there's not too much structure to this. We're just going to kind of talk ball. That, that's really all I want to do. So that's what's today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. September 23rd, 2022. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. As always, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Okay, so as I said in the cold, like I, I don't have an exact structure. I just want to talk about the future of this team, and I don't want to stop. Like it's all I think about all day, and it's really just doing laps in my head and it's like I said it's literally the only thing I, I want to talk about here we have games to cover and whatnot and when the Tigers play we definitely will recap that we've got two weeks not even of games left and then we're done and then it's the off season, and then we got a new man in charge and then we're rolling the ball is rolling uh I can't wait for the postseason by the way that's a whole different thing I mean I could go down that rabbit hole for for half an hour I think a, the last two weeks of these races are going to be great, but I think the postseason is going to be absolutely insane. I think the National League is going to be crazy. I, I really do think that the, the NL, and I think presuming that the ALCS will be Yankees and Astros, I think that's going to be a great series, but I think the NL playoffs as a whole are going to be absolutely electric. I think there's a lot of really fun teams there with different strengths and weaknesses. So I, I have... A, a lot like that'll be cool to talk and we'll talk some playoffs and it will always be about, about the Tigers at the end of the day and we'll do our player you know breakdowns kind of like we did last off season and, and really in depth just this player and and how they did letter grade even like we'll we'll, we'll have a fun off season it'll be cool we'll have plenty of time to talk about stuff but ever since we brought in Scott Harris like all I want to talk about is the future of this organization <laughs> like that's it and so with an off day that we had yesterday, right? Tigers don't play. Um, we got White Sox this weekend, I believe. So that'll be, uh, uh, well, I mean, we already played the White Sox, what, last weekend? We played them really re pretty recently, and they are still believing that they're in a race that they're not actually in. But all that aside, Tigers don't play. Let's talk. I, I just want to spitball stuff. Like, there's really no structure. I just want to talk about... Next year's starting lineup, how many players from this year are going to be retained, what some of these dudes' off-seasons are going to look like. I still think that there's a lot 
of stuff that I I just want to go over. And that's just like kind of it. That's that's just what this show is going to be about. So we we start I think I want to start at catcher again. I don't know why. I think it's just cuz it's my favorite position on the planet. So we'll we'll start with catcher again like we did in the 40 man roster one. Hasi will be here next year. And it's just a matter of whether you are confident Hasi Jake Rogers. Like I said, we kind of talked about this one in the 40s, so we won't spend too much time on this one. Uh, last week's episode, yeah, 40-man roster one, we, we kind of talked about, you know, oh, did you bring someone else in or not? That's really the question. Do you, do you look at the catcher market? Do you bring in somebody else? And I'm not going to speculate and try and predict. We have a whole offseason to talk about, you know, who we could sign and who the Tigers have free agent interest in and all that jazz. So we're just going to talk about bringing someone in or not versus not. And it, it, it's a tough call. I lean towards, yes, bring, bring in another catcher. And that's not a slight on Eric Haas or Jake Rogers, but Eric Haas, he's been hitting great lately. He doesn't, I'm still not sure that Hasi is ever going to be the bona fide, you know what, you're going to play 120 to 140 games behind the dish, and, and that's going to happen on a good baseball team. I think he's a really solid asset to this organization, to this team. I like having him around. I want him around next year. But I, I still think that there kind of needs to be a 1A, like a true 1A at behind the plate. And Jake Rogers, uh, again, like I, I guess you could – say, okay, that's going to be him. But by opening day next year, he's going to go a year and a half, a little over a year and a half without playing. Oh yeah. Over, over a year and a half without playing baseball at the major uh, organized baseball period, nonetheless at the major league level. And we still haven't seen a long-term sample size of consistent hitting from him. When he first got called up, he really struggled at the plate. And then in 2021, before the injury, he was looking a lot more solid at the dish and his offensive numbers were a lot better. But we need to see that over a much longer sample size. Uh, both of these dudes now in their in their mid and or late 20s. So I, I lean towards, yeah, bring in another catcher. Like depth is a good problem to have. And if all of them stay healthy and you have three dudes, then like that's not necessarily a huge issue. But I'm not sure I'm going into 2023 100% confident, just like super pumped about what's happening behind the plate with Eric Haas and Jake Rogers just by themselves. That's all I'm trying to say. But I'm excited for what they both can do next year at the same time. That makes sense. Hope that makes sense. Um, okay, let's go to, I guess we'll just go in the same order. We kind of did the 40-man stuff. Infield. I want to start with Jamer Candelario. I don't think Jamer Candelario is coming back next season. And it's not a hundred percent. It's not a guarantee. And we have a brand new dude in charge, obviously. So he could bring his own evaluation process and he could look at him and, and really like him more than I, I guess what is assumed uh, of the current front office. But I, I really, this is, this is tough. Like he's about to be 30, right? Like he's next year. Well, I guess after next season at that. So he, he turns 30 right after the season ends next season. So he's going into uh, 2023 will be his age 29 season. That's tough. That's tough. That That's really tough to justify, you know, bringing back a 29-year-old with one year of control left after having one of the worst, not, not just straight up worst, 
one of the most like two step back, just complete is disappointment. The word is that too aggressive? Just complete letdown of a season. COVID year, he does great. We go, oh my goodness, Jamer maybe finally figured it out after, uh, again, like least we forget, the first two, three years of Jamer after the Cubs trade was a lot of meh, right? That was not not very good at, at the plate. It was a, a lot of a lot of meh, not, not, not really moving anybody. A lot of high 600 OPSs in that era. Then 2020 comes along, and like I said, he figures it out in a shortened season. And then 2021, he has a great year and, and is one of the best doubles hitters in the sport, really uses Comerica well, very solid offensive numbers across the board. And we're like, okay, found third base, good, check it off, looking at the future. We're good at third. He was playing j- uh, just below league average defense. And now it's it, it's not it's not great. It's not great. He's really laboring at the plate, really struggling. And the defense, I don't think, has really impressed anybody either. And while the advanced metrics aren't the worst defense you've ever seen in your life, I mean, we we all remember 2020 Willie Castro, but it it doesn't become justifiable anymore, right? Like when you're just below average at a premier position like third base – but if you're raking, you're like, all right, like that's fine. I'll, I'll take a negative one or two, you know, DRS or OAA or whatever, and just that'll justify it because he's got an 850 OPS at the plate. And, like everything's fine. This is no longer justifiable. He has like a 180 batting average, and, and his OPS is in what the 500s. Uh, he he kind of has had a nice weekend. He might be closer to the 600s, but regardless, it's not good. And it's 621 now. There you go. An 80 OPS plus. 20% worse than league average at the plate and not really lighting the world on fire defensively either. I, I really think that this is a, you just count your losses and move on. Now, when it comes to what to do at third next season, I'm not sure the answer is in-house either though, which I guess might lean into better odds that he just sticks around because like what else is he going to do? You could free agency is obviously an option. If if you think that there's a guy you really like in free agency and Harris and his team circle a dude and go, this is our third baseman next year, go get him. I, I've, you know, I, I have faith in that. But I don't think the answer is in-house. Ryan Kreidler, as great as he has been defensively, I'm not really sure I'm ready to just go, you know what? He looks great in, in the field. He looks great defensively. Let's just put him up in the at the plate for 162 times, 162 games rather next year. And, and hope that he figures it out offensively. We haven't really seen anything offensively this year that would lead anybody to believe that he's ready to be an everyday starter in 2023. Now, he could get to that. Obviously, that's just called progression and development. But as it stands on September 23rd, we haven't seen anything that even remotely indicates that that's the case. So uh, I don't think that he's there. Uh, if we go into 2023 with a Castro at third, whether it's Willie or Harold, I don't care. If either one of them is for some reason the everyday starter at third base, I'm completely out on on, on Scott Harris. Um, did I call him Will Harris? I feel like I ask, I don't know. I'm not even going to. I'm just going a million miles an hour here. So no, no Castros at third. That's not a thing. No. And like Cody Clemens certainly did not impress enough at the plate to be an everyday starter. 
Like you just go down the list. I, I don't think that it's in house. I don't think that answer is in house. So I think that if you do let him go, free agent, third base. That's what that's where my my mind is at right now. And that might change in a week. It might change in in a day. Uh, or it, I might stay solid with it. I'm I'm pretty confident at at the moment though. I'm feeling like an outside, whether it's a trade or a free agent, is your opening day third baseman next year. Okay, let's get into the rest of the starters here. I'm liking where this is headed. I'm liking this show. I didn't honestly, I didn't think yesterday's show was very good. So I apologize. I was feel like I was really scatterbrained. I'm scatterbrained right. I'm really scatterbrained always, but I, this is like controlled thought. Whereas yesterday I thought I was just kind of out of it. So we're uh, we're back though. We're back. Let's get to the rest of the team, like I said. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up to minute scores of every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and even golf. So head to the betonline.net website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. Um, okay, so we covered Jamer. That was like one of the big ones, and that's going to be, I think, probably the biggest storyline of the first stage of the offseason, right? Baseball is very, you know, art and tender players, and then arbitration, and then free agents, and then, you know, edge your 40 man, and then like it's very like step by step the entire winter. So I think that Jamer is like the first big story of the offseason. Like that's, that's like Scott Harris's first big move is like, what do you do with Jamer Candelaria? I know it's, you know, it's not magnitude-wise, it's not that big of a move, but I think that that's one of the first real signs of of and tells of what's going to happen this winter and how much movement we're going to have is, is what he does with Jamer. Going around the rest of the infield, uh, I don't want I don't, I, I want to talk about it, but I don't. Like, I don't even want to talk about the middle infield. Just what a disaster. Uh, let's go to first base for now. First base, Look, you don't want to make the same mistake twice. You don't want to head into next season and go, you know what, Spencer Torkelson, that's the guy, and then he struggles, and then you go, whoops, I was so confident in Torque that I didn't get any other choices. Like, you don't want that to happen again, obviously, but also, like, what are we doing here? Like, how many, at what point do you just go, you know what, like, you're just going to, we're going to keep seeing what we got in you. We're going to keep throwing you out there. Uh, and and he's hit pretty well since getting recalled from AAA. Obviously, the option in the middle of the season rocked everybody, and, and it was it was I mean deserved. He was he was pretty bad, and it was really brutal to watch him take at bats. Uh, just so passive in his first stint, the first half of the season, so passive, and still working through some stuff. But lately, especially, really turning on fastballs again, just down the middle. Something that he didn't do the first half of the season this year was just hit fastballs down the middle. And we talked about it a million times on the show, so I don't want to you know, make everyone's ears bleed and just keep talking about it. But golly, at least he's been doing that lately. So that's nice to see. And I mean, 
I think I'm okay with going into 2023 with him just being chalked as as first base. Get you know, bring in utility people that can play first, and maybe sign some you know a minor league deal to a, a free agent first baseman out there, just for some depth, so that we we don't have to watch you know Harold Castro be the everyday starting first baseman again. I guess. But I, I don't want you to go out and get, like, you know, sign a first baseman to a two-year deal or something either. And, and I don't want Torque to whatever, like, oh, he should start in AAA. Okay, well, then he tears it up, and then we have a one-year deal dude just, like, sitting there. I guess maybe that's easy then to get rid of him too. See, like, this this is what I mean. Like, no structure. I'm just, like, thinking out loud, basically. I... I think I'm okay with Torque going into opening day as the first baseman in 2023. I think I'm okay with it. I, I've come to the decision right now. I think it's okay with it. Now, again, that could change in, in, in two, three weeks. We could make some move. You know, if you get a first baseman that can play third and, like, maybe second or, like, third and corner outfield, you get, like, a versatile guy, then sure, I'm, I'm all for it. But I, I think I'm okay with Torque getting like you go into twenty twenty three and you're like okay he's gonna get a majority of the looks at first base I think I'm I'm thinking I'm cool with it as as it stands right now the middle okay let let's talk about the middle infield I guess what a train wreck like like what a train wreck and you have Javi who has incredible range and like puts up great defensive metrics but he can't throw the baseball accurately and, and he leads the league in errors by a ton and they're almost all throwing errors and. It's ridiculously frustrating. And then he, it's not justifiable by his performance at the plate either. He has a 94 OPS plus now. He has been hitting really well in the last like month and a half, I guess you would say. Since the All-Star break, he's been a lot better. And specifically in the last like three or four weeks, he's been really solid. Uh, but the slugging percentage is still at 390 on the year. And the on-base percentage is at 281. 671 OPS, that's a 94 OPS plus. So that's six percent worse than league average this year really rough offensive year for baseball by the way unless your name is Aaron Judge and you have a higher slugging percentage than like the average MLB OPS right now but really tough year for offense offense is down across the league and so to see a 671 OPS only be a 94 OPS plus is crazy to me that's a different conversation so does moving Javi to second just mean that he's going to throw the ball more accurately? I mean, maybe. It probably eliminates some of them. But, like, how invested are we in a new shortstop? Like, are we just going to go out and get Correa? Correa's going to opt out of Minnesota, and, and everybody's like, oh, well, we'll just we'll just throw 300 mil at Correa again like we did last offseason and hope that it's enough this time. Like, are we just going to keep playing this game until we get one of the bona fide shortstops? And if he does stay at short, then what do you do at second? Because, like, I, I I don't know about you. I don't need to see Jonathan Scope at second base next year. I don't. And if it happens, I'll live with it. But I, I don't I don't need that. I, I don't need – I'm ready to start looking ahead. And there's no way we're bringing back Scopey after next season. I hate to break it to you if you're a diehard Jonathan Scope fan. I loved him last year. I was, I was pro the contract extension. But clearly from where we're at now and the offensive season he's put together, I don't care how good he's been defensively. He should win the gold glove at second base, by the way. But I, I don't think you're, you know, he's another year older. I don't think after next season you're like, well, let's extend scope again. He's gone. He's gone after next year at the latest. I think he's probably gone before that. 
And that's where I stand here is like what to even do with the middle infield. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's a train wreck because neither of them have hit very well. And both of them are good defensively, but not good enough to justify the offense. And also one of them is only good at catching the ball defensively when it comes to them throwing it. He's it's an absolute disaster. What do you even do with that? So we look in house again, there's nobody in-house that I want starting in the middle infield every day next season. If we rolled in, in theory, to opening day next year and Scott Harris was like, Ryan Kreidler is the everyday starting second baseman, deal with it. I'd be like, okay, yes, sir. And, and, I, and, I, and I'd be like, let's ride. Like, I, I would change my tone and, and be I, – I'd force myself to believe in the direction – but if I was, if my last name was Harris instead of Bentley and I was calling shots, I would not roll into next season with anybody currently in the organization at second, unless you move Javi to second. And then we have the same conversation, copy and pasted, but at shortstop. And I'm not doing anything at shortstop. I'm not keeping anybody in house and starting them opening day at shortstop if Javi's at second. So Javi's getting one of them. And. I don't think whatever one he doesn't get is an in-house solution. So at least one of the middle infield is an outside free agent trade, whatever. Um, this th- I'm having a great time. This is fun. I hope this is good. <laughs> this is good radio. I'm just kind of spewing and, and hoping that it makes sense. And really, I'm literally just thinking out loud. Uh, let's get into the rest of the team. We'll do outfield. And then we'll do uh, some rotation. We'll look at the bullpen, et cetera. We still got whatever we haven't talked about now, we'll talk about after this. All right. Welcome back. Third and final segment here, Locked On Tigers. So we've covered the infield. Let's talk outfield, okay? Riley Green and Austin Meadows, both locks. I think that's pretty safe to say. Now, right where they play, Austin... Okay, slow down. <laughs> cool it. All right, take a breath. Austin Meadows is getting one of the corner outfield spots. That's It's, it's going to happen. That should happen. What a weird year for him. I hope he, he can get in a better mental space, and I hope that his, his body can just hold up. I, I hope that he gets, you know, physically and mentally, just takes the offseason to himself, gets in a better place, and we just look back at this and go, I hope it's forgotten, honestly. I hope he just does really well next year and this crazy, ridiculous, unlucky, just dumb year that he had is just forgotten about. And we can just move on past it because I really like Austin Meadows. I really like him as a person. I really like him as a ball player. And I, if we can get what we traded for, if, if we can get Tampa Bay Rays, Austin Meadows, then like th- this outfield becomes insurmountably better. And... So I'm pumped about it. That's one of them. That that's going to happen. They're not just going to get. He has multiple years of control left still. They're they're, they're not. Scott Harris is not going to come in and be like Austin Meadows. Get off my baseball team. It's it's not going to happen. So that's that's one of the corner outfields. Now Riley Green, he'll certainly be opening day in the outfield. Now the conversation then becomes where does he go defensively? He's been good in center field. I'm not I'm not trying to take away anything he has done in center field. And I've had this conversation before and everybody always freaks out whenever I bring it up. I'm just saying 
if it's possible to upgrade defensively because he's not a plat he's not Kevin Kiermeyer out there he's been good for a rookie center fielder but he's not he's not some gold glover in center at the moment if we were to be in a position where we could upgrade defensively at center field and that person also was solid enough offensively Riley Green at the corner outfield would be lethal, right? Think about if we were to bring someone in who is even better than Riley Green, who, again, solid defensively this year. If we were to bring in somebody who's even better than him defensively and put him in the Comerica Park center, and then Riley Green gets like left or right field, depending on probably matchups and whatnot, knowing our, our manager in front office, then you're looking around go like Austin Meadows is not very good defensively. You're looking around going, okay, like this is, this is legit. This is, we got two, two thirds of our outfield is, is going to get covered, right? Nothing but raindrops is falling out there. So that, that's great. That's great. And even if you don't bring another center fielder and you just want to get corner outfield depth, great. The, the wrench that's thrown into this is then Kerry Carpenter because He's been great. He's looked really solid at the plate. There's still some developmental stuff he needs to work on, but he's been good. Are we just going to roll in to uh, see? I, I, like, I don't think so. I don't think we just roll into opening day 2023 with our outfield being Austin Meadows, Riley Green, and Kerry Carpenter. I, I don't think so. I, I don't think that's that's real. And I, I think that they would like more depth. I think that they would like more guaranteed production over 162. And which, to I mean, let's call a spade a spade. None of these three have given good production over 162 in a Detroit Tigers uniform yet, right? So I, I don't think I, that's a little too shaky, I think, for the front office to look at and go, yeah, that's fine. And then whatever, the fourth outfielder is like Victor Reyes because we can't get rid of him. Or, I, I mean, Akil Badu maybe has a really good spring training and, and isn't hitting horribly like he was this year. I mean, there's some there's some directions to go there, but at the end of the day, I'm fairly confident we're going to get one outfielder, whether it's a center fielder or a corner outfielder remains to be seen, but I'm, I'm fairly confident that, that we are going to bring in one outfielder this offseason. Fairly confident in it. And actually, last offseason, I even talked about I'd like another outfielder. Well, then we got Meadows and, and everything, and I, I was pretty pumped about that, so maybe that counts, but there's I still I think that we're still in that same spot where it's like we we have decent outfield depth we have dudes that we can throw out there and and that have shown signs but I don't think we're a hundred percent locked yep this is just the outfield next year I think we still it wouldn't surprise me I'm fairly confident we're bringing in one more outfielder as far as the bench guys go I, I that's where I expect a lot of the overhaul to honestly be between the Castros and well, I want to stick at the MLB level. Yeah, I guess really just the Castros and Victor Reyes. Not sure they're too longed for the future. I, I'm sure one of them at least will stick around. And I'm not saying all three of them are, are going to get chopped, but I don't know, just with like the direction and, and hearing Harris's philosophy towards the game of baseball, not really sure any of the three of them really follow that too terribly much. So we'll see. But uh depth pieces at most at that you sh absolutely should not be going into opening day with any of those three dudes as a starter for this team 
let's look at the pitching. The pitching rotation is uh, another pretty fascinating conversation. A lot of injuries, which sucks, right? Like that blows. But Erod, you're going in with Matt Manning. You're going in with, and what? That's it. I guess that's it for like the guaranteed, guaranteed guys. I guess that's it. Mize is is probably missing all of next year, right? Pro- Mize is probably missing all of 2023. I think the next time we see Casey Mize pitch in an old English D is opening. Well whatever he pitches first in the first week of the season in 2024. Uh, Tarek Skubal, they're saying end of next season, second half, I guess I should say, of 2023. That's great, but doesn't do you any good when you're rolling into opening day. I think the only like guaranteed, guaranteed locks for this team on opening day are Erod and Matt Manning. I think that's pretty much it. I'm trying to do like a quick, yeah, man, we've had, what, 16 different people start games for us? Goodness gracious. Uh, I think actually it's more than that. Golly. So the the injury bug is obvious. Oh, Spencer Turnbull. Spencer Turnbull. I knew I was forgetting somebody, man. Okay, so you're rolling in with with Turnbull. You're rolling in with, with I almost said Scooble. Erod, Turnbull, Manning. Boom. Three starters. What do you do with the other two? I think you're at least signing one starter. I don't think that they're just going to look around and go, you know what, Bo Brisky, Alex Fiedo, or Garrett Hill, or somebody, boom, Joey Wentz, you're, you're getting four and five. Now, starting pitching depth is a necessity. We just saw it, right? We just, we've seen it the last a million years, like every year, right? That, that, that That's since 2014, probably, when we, what, we have like seven dudes start for us, start games for us in 2014 or something ridiculous. Pretty much every year since then, we, we've had reasonably hefty I- injuries and have had to defer a sizable load of innings to other people that weren't on the opening day starting rotation. You're going to need it. So me saying, oh, we need to bring in another starting pitcher is not, oh, yeah, like Bo Brisky isn't good or like I'm out on Joey Wentz's future and that's why. Like, no, you need depth and those dudes are going to start probably like eight to 13 games at, at, at the least right next season. But it, because somebody's going to go on the IL for a month and it's just going to happen because uh, the arm motion of pitching is just so unnatural and ruins people's arms. Like it, it, that's objectively true. So these guys will pitch next year at the major league level, but rolling into opening day, I, I think you have, you have to sign at least one more. You, you have to, I'm, I'm very confident and, and, and planting my flag there. You got to sign at least one starting pitcher. And honestly, if you brought in two, I'd be pretty happy about it. Because all it would then take is for one to go down and your rotation is then Erod, Manning, Turnbull, Brisky, Fiedo, Wentz-ish, right? Like five or six man. And it's good to have depth. That that's a that's a good problem to have. So let's just make it as deep as possible. Let let's add as much depth as we can. And over the course of a season, you know, this starting this starting this free agent class isn't like blow your socks off. Oh my goodness! But I think you could find you need one, and I think you could find two. So that's it for the rotation, really. I, I I like who we got. I love the steps we took developmentally with the starting rotation. I love Chris Fetter. I think he's the best in the world at his job. I think we're, we're, we're really 
we're going places here. But I also don't think we just go through the whole winter and don't touch the pitching at all, even though two of our top rotation arms this season are going to miss a majority, if not all, of next year. I don't think we just go, well, yeah, we'll be fine because Federer will just find someone. No, like let, let's let's actually sign some some top-end talent here. So I, I do think we're getting at least one, and I, I would even like – I think my best-case scenario is give me a long-term starter and give me a one-year starter. Kind of like what we did last year, but it works out better. <laughs> like, give, like we did Erod and Pineda, right? Don't bring back Michael Pineda, please, for the love of everything. But give me another long-term guy that's going to be here two or three years that that will be a solid middle or or high-end rotation arm. And then give me another one-year guy for, for depth that is going to have like a four-ish ERA, which is what I, I liked the Pineda signing at the time. I was very wrong about that. But So that that's, what I, that's I think, my best-case scenario. For the bullpen, this is like easily the most chill one. Easily. This is... The most lighthearted, chill, you know, we can kind of just kick it and 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 talk shop about the bullpen. There, there's not too much to say. This is a solid bullpen. You only got rid of one of them at the deadline. This, like, you're rolling in with a pretty similar bullpen. Now, two things. One, you can move some of these dudes we started talking about, hey, are they going to be in the starting rotation? You got a lot of starters. Maybe you convert some of them into long relievers. And then when inevitably somebody goes on the IL, instead of having to call somebody up from Toledo, you just go, hey, or a starter up from Toledo, I should say. You just go, hey, Fiedo, you have a 2-8 ERA as a long reliever out of the bullpen this year. Bingo, let's stretch stretch you out, you know, two, three innings extra than what you've been giving us. And now you're a starter for the next month while so-and-so is hurt. That, that's definitely something we could do too, which I would be very fond of. I would very much like that. So you're going in with a, with a good structure of what a good pen should be. I'm not just going to say this is going to be a lights out bullpen next year. Bullpens are the most like impossible things to predict. Bullpens and goalies in hockey, like the two most impossible things and, and positions to predict in sports. So, I'm not going to say that this is going to be some lights out elite bullpen again, but you have a good structure there. You have a good foundation. You're bringing back a lot of players. The only other thing to talk about within it is really just closer. Gregory Soto, talk of the town. Uh, You know what? I think, and I don't want to read too terribly much into what an introductory presser said and pretend like, oh, he said this, and that means that this player is out of here. But if you're going to build an organization around the strike zone, it's really hard to look at Gregory Soto and go, well, you're here long-term, right? Really hard to do that. Again, don't want to just like do unprofessional like speculation, right? I don't just want to throw stuff out there. But it's hard to listen to that and go, this dude's safe. Now, could also just be, Next year, he's not the closer. They take another look at him. They try some stuff in the offseason. They try to work on his command a little bit, etc. Here's what I am confident in. I am confident in next season, this version of Gregory Soto will not be on the team next season. Whether that means he's traded in the offseason or whether that means 
they try something new with development. Scott Harris comes in, brings in a whole new like training staff and, and development team and whatnot, and hires a bunch of coaches. In, in San Francisco, we had like 8 million coaches. You know, really brings in some dudes to work with these guys. And somebody really fixes his command problems. And then next year, we're looking at a better version of him. But as it stands right now, this Gregory Soto is not going to make it through next season on the Detroit Tigers. I don't think with what we are, what direction we believe we want to head in. Could just get moved out of the closer role. Could, like I said, have some developmental stuff that's looking good. Could get traded. But I don't think we're just going to sit around and watch what happened this year happen again and be like, yeah, everything's fine. Eventually it's going to change and he's going to figure it out. I think next year is is uh yeah. I think next year is the the that's an interesting storyline. Interesting is a dumb word. That's one of the names I've circled this offseason. One of those three things is gonna happen. Guarantee you. Not closer, training more, traded. Boom. Training more. I'm sure he's training a lot. Training to get his command's either gonna be better, he's gonna not be the closer, or he's gonna be off the team. One of those three things I, I can pretty much guarantee you is going to happen next season for Gregory Soto. They're not just going to sit around and watch this again. Okay, that's all I got. That's the team. Coaching staff, uh, new hitting coach, maybe new third base coach. They'll keep Ramon in some capacity because all the players and the staff love him, but maybe not third base coach. Maybe they move him to first or something. I don't know. Maybe he's just a fielding coach. Who knows? Uh, but they'll try and keep everybody else. Lombard is, is why they consider to be one of the best in the business at his job. They'll try to hold on to him. AJ's sticking around and Fetter is absolutely sticking around. Those three locks. We're going to definitely have a new hitting coach. I, it is a hundred percent. There is literally no way that we're going into next season with Scott Coolball still on this, on this coaching staff. Um, yeah. Front office. Oh, that's the only thing I want to mention. This is such a long episode. I'm sorry. Happy Friday. Um, we, he did, Scott Harris did say, I think I forgot to mention it somehow when breaking down the presser. Scott Harris is going to hire a GM. What does that mean? Great question. You asked a great question. Um, it, it could, he could just be saying, yeah, I'm going to hire him. It's just going to, and then he interviews Menzen and he just hires Menzen. Or, we're looking outside. I'm leaning towards he's going outside. He didn't really sound like, oh, I'm going to take a look at what we have. And maybe he was like, yeah, I'm, he said, I fully intend on hiring a GM. So we will have one. And remember what we said in the last two episodes, GM, he, this is like, he, he he's basically hiring a right-hand man. He is hiring a second in command guy. The GM is like, he's calling the shots. He He's one, one. There's still some people that ask me about the, you know, confusion about like GM versus president of ops. Scott Harris is the top dog. Whoever he hires as GM is going to be second in command there. Uh, like uh, the great, the prime example is Philadelphia. Sam Fold is widely considered to be a great front office um, per- personnel and is the general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. But Dave Dombrowski is president of ops. Like he runs the show. So that's like, and the situation that Harris just came from is like that too. That's like more and more popular. Anyway, I, I want, I'm trying to wrap this up, but I keep getting side rail. Um, he is going to hire someone. I would expect it to be an outside hire, and I would expect it to happen in the offseason. So give him two weeks, and I think then it'll happen. Um, I think that's all I got. 
Thank you for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. Now make your second listen. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan on the Lockdown MLB podcast. He brings humor, passion, and his unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories from around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Lockdown MLB on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. Have a great weekend. Hopefully this is good radio. I'm really scared that this is just going to be me just like spewing nonsense and people are going to be like, what the heck is wrong with you? Hope this is good radio. Just was thinking out loud. Fun little show down the week. Peace and love. Going to Derby's Dope. I'll catch you on Monday, baby. Go Tigers.